You're listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host, Sean Dietrich. This is our Christmas special. We're coming to you from the Louvre United Methodist Church, A Taste of Christmas. That music here behind me is the Red Cedar Review, Aaron Firetag on the mandolin, Brad Edwardson on the guitar. My special musical guest this week is Alex Barnett, classical guitarist and prodigy on six strings. You can wish for whatever you want this Christmas, but I know what I'm going to wish for. I'm going to wish for something that I know I'm going to get older. That's right, Santa hadn't let me down yet. I saw a childhood photo of myself sitting by the Christmas tree in a pair of pajamas, the kind with the seat flap and the buttons. Good God, I looked like a baby. 25-year-olds ought not wear them kind of pajamas. The truth is, you couldn't pay me enough to go backward and grow up all over again. I don't care how good my skin looked or how plush my hair was. I hate algebra. (laughs) One of my childhood friends had developed a head of gray hair. I saw my buddy after about 20 years, and it's funny how silver hair can change someone altogether. He is not the same man he used to be. That rambunctious, dark-headed joker who once landed me in jail for exactly one night, who slept like a log while I hummed the Folsom Prison Blues. That man has vanished. He is now a financial advisor who drinks the kind of wine I can't pronounce. The name of his wine is Boucher or, or, or something or other. Whenever he tells a lie, I always yell, Oh, that's total boucher. The truth is, I believe age makes people better. I really do. I think it helps cure the deadly affliction of youth, which some folks spend a lot of money trying to sustain. Therefore, I hope Santa makes my crow's feet a little deeper this year. Maybe a little more arthritis will be nice. I hope he keeps altering the way I pile on body fat and making my body grow in unnatural ways. I enjoy watching the numbers on the scale climb for no discernible reason. And maybe Santa can bring me a good fiber supplement this year. Perhaps some Velcro shoes. But for God's sake, Santa, please hurry. Because I am not getting any younger.
Alex Barnett, everybody. Alex Barnett. That was, let's see if I can get this right, El Noir de la Marée, which roughly translates into the very, very fat chicken. <laughs> no, it really means the mother of the child. One more for you from Alex Barnett. This is his arrangement of Silent Night. my father wanted me to learn Silent Night in German. It was the silliest thing I'd ever done in my life. The words made absolutely no sense. But our family comes from German descent, and he had to learn it when he was a boy. After all these years, I've never forgotten the lyrics. Stille Nacht Heilige Nacht Schlaft einsam wacht nur das traute Kopf heilige Pacht Kaul dach Nabe in logigem Pacht Schlaft in himmlisch Kaul 
Dachnamen Logiken Bar Schlaft in ihm Christ the Savior is born Christ the Savior is born. Christmas is a unique time of year. In different parts of the nation, it's a unique time of year because the weather changes. But here down south, things don't change all that much vegetation which was once a rich hunter green beautiful bold colors simply changed into more of a puke green (laughs) it's in the winter that families draw closer yes that's true but that's not what makes it unique either is that this is the time of year when families lie to each other oh yes Even God-fearing Southern Baptist men will lie to their own children. They will tell tales about goodwill and parables about peace on earth and doing the right thing. And it's completely acceptable because it's Christmas. And this is just what we do. We tell stories. Julia Sanders, she was asking her older brother, Eldon, about Santa Claus. Eldon's ten years old. Compared to a six-year-old, he has had entire lifetime of wisdom accumulated. She asked him about Santa Claus, and Eldon said, oh, Santa Claus, of course. You know, Santa Claus is in the Bible, I think, somewhere around the book of Leviticus. And you know, he saved his race from Egyptian slavery. (laughs) Santa Claus led them across the Red Sea, which he parted with the help of his of his reindeer. And it was Santa who sent the angel of death to kill everybody's firstborn child. And little Julia Saunders was terrified, completely terrified. And she shared this with her third grade class. And she shared it the day before Sam Andrews showed up for his annual Santa Claus visit. Santa visits the elementary school every year and has been doing this since the early 1950s. The baton was passed off to Sam Andrews when he turned 26 years old and he's been dressing up as Santa Claus ever since. But Julia Saunders told her entire class about Santa Claus and the angel of death. And when Sam Andrews walked in that classroom, he saw 48 third graders scream like babies. (laughs) It's at Christmas that you have to lie when you see your family members. You lie about all sorts of things. It's not vicious lies. They're just life lies. You lie about being happy to see people you really would rather not see. And this we learn from a very, very, very young age. You pretend to like Aunt Eula's kisses. You pretend to enjoy Cousin Sylvia's jello casserole. You choke down Granddaddy's homemade liver pate that he's kept in the freezer since last Christmas. (laughs) Or you tell your people the people who haven't seen you in a long, long while, 
You tell them you're loving your own life. You're loving your job. You're loving everything about living. And even if it's not true, you still say it. At least that's what Murray Townsend did. Murray drives a truck, but he hadn't always driven a truck. His whole life has been one long search for contentment. He, he lost his father when he was just a little boy. And boys without fathers have this curious predicament they find themselves in. They don't have a trade that they inherit from their fathers. They don't have a set of skills that they inherit from their fathers. Fathered boys learn how to fix things. They learn how to change their own oil. They learn how to deer hunt and how to clean a fish. But Murray Townsend didn't learn any of these things. It was just him and his mother. His mother who had seemed like an elderly woman for as long as anyone could remember. She was one of those women who just seemed to age a hundred years after Murray's father died. Murray tried to open his own landscaping business. Boy, that was a joke. People wanted things done on time. Murray just couldn't seem to get things done. Murray moved very slow. He always had moved slow. He talked slow. He thought slow. And he even ate slow. Long ago, when he was in the high school, he would be the last person to leave the high school cafeteria every day. That's how slow he moved, but he he tried these jobs. He tried all sorts of jobs. He tried working at a fine dining restaurant outside Birmingham. He moved up there to do it. He thought this would be his new career. He thought about going to culinary school to become a chef, but it didn't work out. Chefs have to be too high-strung, and Murray was anything but high-strung. He operated heavy machinery, heavy equipment, but the company had to let him go. One of his favorite jobs was working as a maintenance man for an apartment complex just outside Birmingham. But he didn't repair things up to code, and it was during the event that he was replacing a broken light bulb out of a socket with a pair of needle-nose pliers that he received quite a shock. It was a shock so hard that it knocked him clean off the ladder and landed him on the floor. And the woman who was renting the apartment stood over him and said, Are you all right? And he shook just a little bit the aftershocks from the electrical current which flowed through his body. And he'd set off the fire sprinklers He was fired the next day. Truth be told, he felt like an incredible failure. He was lonely because he felt like he hadn't found his place in life. It was his friend Michael who got him into truck driving. Now that's where he was now. It was the best paying, worst job of his life because it was lonely. Truck driving is nothing but loneliness on 18 wheels. And he wasn't built for loneliness. Days on end, and he wouldn't talk to a single person for an entire week. But this is what fatherless boys do. They find themselves grappling and searching for some kind of life occupation. If they'd been taught to clean fish or hunt deer like other boys, maybe they wouldn't go through this kind of crisis. But... That's not the way life works. 
There was no time for friends or family. He was just too busy trying to get a shipment to Phoenix or L.A. or Portland on deadlines. One night he drove along the highway. It was three days before Christmas, and he was driving, listening to holiday music on the radio. It was Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, and Dean Martin singing songs that he remembered from his childhood. He used to hold those long play records in his hand and inspect the covers, the painted portraits of folks like Bing Crosby with that straight shaft pipe poking out of his mouth and the Santa Claus cap hanging from his head and that low voice he had. And while his entire childhood came back to him, he saw a man on the side of the road standing. The man was standing in the drizzle, the cold drizzle, and there was a duffel bag by his feet, and he was warming his hands, rubbing them together rapidly, standing beneath a road sign. Murray's goodwill got the best of him. Murray pulled over, and he kicked open the door, and he said, where are you heading, stranger? And the man told him, Murray had noticed that the man was dressed in denim from head to toe and there was riding on the man's duffel bag, navy riding. Mind if I smoke, the man said, and he lit a cigarette. And he kept that cigarette going for almost the entire night, replacing it with a cigarette every now and then, touching the glowing ember to the end of a new cigarette. The man was easy to talk to. And after a few hundred miles, Murray realized it was because the man didn't talk hardly at all, at least not about himself. He asked a lot of questions. And while he chain-smoked his cigarettes one after another, Murray realized all he'd been doing himself was talking about his own life. Well, it had been a long time since anybody had seemed so interested in Murray. A long, long time. And while he spoke, Murray was hearing the sound of his own voice, and it sounded good. It was a welcome sound. Because for Murray to be using his own voice meant that there was someone around to listen to it. And if someone was around to listen to it, it meant that someone gave a damn. Finally, he petered out, and he asked the man where it came from. The man lit another cigarette and said, Oh... I come from Ball Ground, Georgia. Murray made a big frown. He said, Well, that's strange. My father, my father was from Ball Ground. Is that right? The man said, throwing the old cigarette butt out the window. And then the man told his own story. He talked about serving in the Navy and about working in pulp mills. And he spoke about his young wife who was pregnant and how he was rushing home because she was about to give birth before the holiday. And that's when Murray noticed the man. He noticed him fully. He looked at him in the dim light and he saw the baby fat that was laying over the sharp cheekbones of the man. And he remembered the image of his own father. My God, Murray thought to himself, it's Daddy. And he's so young. His flesh was hiding the years of age which would soon emerge from his face the way Murray remembered him. And Murray was almost terrified in that moment. He was only sorry that he, 
He couldn't find the words to say to pull it out of the man if this man was in fact the ghost of his father. So he just kept driving and he kept listening and he didn't say a word. He only listened to how the man spoke, the gentle twist of his words and accent that he inherited from a small Georgia town. The man talked about how excited he was and he spoke about things he, he wanted to do with his life. He talked about how he wanted to one day open his own country cooking restaurant. Yes, sir, the man said. I want to open up a restaurant that serves some good food. Food like catfish and pork chops and chicken fried steak and collards and creamed corn. And Murray just watched him. He watched him speak. And in a moment, before the man was even finished, the man pointed out the windshield and said, this is where I get off. And it took Murray a few minutes to pull into the exit lane and pull off at the truck stop. When he got there, the man reached into his shirt pocket and he pulled out a $10 bill and he threw it on the dashboard. He said, I know it ain't much, but it's, it'll cover some of my gas. The man kicked open his own door and he stepped out and Murray stopped him. He wanted to say something to the man. He wanted to say something like, I love you, Dad. Or perhaps... There ain't a day that doesn't go by, Daddy, that I don't think about you, even though I didn't know you as well as I wanted to. But he wasn't sure enough to do such a thing. So instead, as the man walked through the drizzle toward the bright lights of that truck stop, Murray just said, Merry Christmas, sir. Merry Christmas. The man was gone, and... Murray sat at that truck stop all night just in case the man came back. But he never did. Murray got home on Christmas morning, very, very early on Christmas morning. His mother woke up and made fresh coffee and a percolator. And they sat and they talked. And Murray noticed that his elderly mother had decorated their entire home with Christmas trinkets and porcelain dolls of Santa Claus and just as family was beginning to arrive, his aunts, his cousins, his uncles, he was sifting through the boxes in the guest bedroom. Boxes of old black and white photographs. He found a photograph of a young man standing on the hull of a supply ship, smiling. It was the USS California. He was looking at the camera, smiling with a youthful, innocent face and two little brown eyes that seemed hopeful. Later that day, he talked to his mother about his father. Oh, she told him, you know your daddy always wanted to open a restaurant. Oh, he was a good cook. Chicken fried steak, cream corn. Oh, it was wonderful. But he never got to. Do you know that when you were born, your daddy hitchhiked clear across America just to see you? And when he arrived, he walked into the hospital and he found the room where the newborns were and he looked through the glass and he could tell exactly which one you were. He pointed you out from all them babies. Murray wanted to tell her. In fact, he almost told her. But he knew she would have never believed him. 
He knew that no matter what he said or how he said it, it would have sounded like a blatant lie. He hugged his mother. They looked at the glow of that Christmas tree, and he thought to himself, Oh well. Oh well. Maybe it was a ghost. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was all just a lie. But it's Christmas. And some lies are worth believing. Thanks for listening to Shaun of the South. I've been your host, and it has been a pleasure. This was our Christmas special, first ever, and I appreciate you joining us. Hope you join us next week. That music here behind me is the Red Cedar Review from Charleston, South Carolina. Brad Edwardson on the guitar, Aaron Firetag on the mandolin. My musical guest today was Alex Barnett on the classical guitar. And to find out anything more about what he does, you can visit Alex Barnett on Facebook. To find out anything more about what I do, you can visit SeanOfTheSouth.com. And while you're there, I hope you drop me a line. I love to hear from my friends. And speaking of friends, dear Santa, you are my friend. When you arrive on Christmas Eve, could you please throw a quick load in the washer, vacuum a couple carpets, wash a few windows, and please scrub your cookie dishes when you are done. Thanks a lot, your friend, Sean Dietrich. Adios. Adios.